2: not
3: i Uh, sex workers, And yes it does In yeah. Yeah. physical sense
4: I am Sex workers. her mind Listen up close while I take it backwards Okay, I've been yesterday I listen to I'm not a proxy Sex workers. But I can give you what you want Process sex worker, damn it. Get some.
3: You tuned in to the vixen hour. Sex workers setting the record straight on Australia's first gay lesbian radio station. Joy 94.9. Red Umbrella Radio. Right, you have tuned into The Vixen Hour. The Vixen Hour is your weekly radio show that explores life issues and the world from a sex worker's perspective. This is your opportunity to challenge the stereotypes and prejudice that you may have about sex work and hear from the actual voices of sex workers ourselves. We are out loud and proud. This is the only community radio program in the world that is both publicly broadcasted directly to your radios and available online that is 100%... 100%... Presented and produced by sex workers. Turn it up. All discussions presented on Vixen Hour are made in the interest of community information
1: and are not intended to induce any individual to seek employment in the sex industry. For more information in this area, we recommend individuals to get in contact with their local sex work organisation. The Vixen Hour. Everyone has an opinion about sex work. Make yours an informed one. ninety-four
3: point nine. If at any point you would like to interact with the program, you can do so by sending us a text message on 0427 JOY 949, that's 0427 giving us a call on 1300 JOY 949, that's 1300 569 or sending us an email at onair at joy.org.au. It would be totally awesome to hear from you. You can also stay connected to The Vixen Hour all throughout the week by liking us on Facebook, so going to Facebook forward slash sex worker radio and following us on twitter for those of you who are twitter inclined our handle is at vixen hour it would be amazing to be connected to you all the time on tonight's show we will be focusing on a topic that has taken me a while to get around to despite the fact that it is very close to my heart we will be talking about male sex work we'll be hearing from cam a sydney sex worker who's been active for over 30 years, as well as talking to Toby, who is another interstate sex worker who is a family man, is active in the business community, and also happens to do sex work part time. And in the middle of those two interviews, we're actually going to be a little bit introspective. I'm going to bring in a friend from Joy to actually interview me for once because let's face it, I am a male sex worker, and given that this is the topic, I thought that might be a little bit appropriate. But before we we get that started, let's have some news.
1: Now on Joy 94.9, a look at the issues that matter to the sex worker community from home and abroad. Thanks to the Vixen Hour, here is tonight's edition of the Sex Work News.
3: Vigil remembers murdered sex worker Yahoo 7 News reports Hundreds who united on last Thursday To mark the violent death of A St Kilda woman Lit candles for and a minute silence To remember just how important she was In the warm glow of candlelight Lanterns and fairy lights About 200 people gathered in St Kilda In the 40 year old sex worker's memory Tracy Connolly Miss Connolly was known for her friendly caring nature As well as her struggles and dreams Speakers told the crowd Miss Connolly's close friend Claire said that she was adored by her partner Tony and by the St Kilda community where she worked. Her friendly, outgoing personality drew people to her, she said. She was tough when she needed to be, but always soft and caring towards her mates. As much as it is a dark place down here, she brought the light. Heading overseas now, according to USNews.com, some child sex trafficking victims rescued could end up in jail. When the FBI conducted their nationwide sweep 8 July to fight child sex exploitation, and the agency boasted that Operation Cross Country had successfully rescued one hundred and five sexually exploited children, but the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children, which partnered with law enforcement for the sweep, says that some of those rescued children may now end up behind bars if there is nowhere to hold them and nowhere safe for them to go. Law enforcement has no alternative, says Stakas Sheehan, the director of Case Analysis Division at the center if they aren't placed in juvenile detention facility, the child could Turn back to their prostitution scenario. To avoid this, police charge the children with sex work offences and place them in a detention facility until housing elsewhere becomes available, according to Sheehan. This is the latest example of how the criminalisation of sex work has confused the role of law enforcement between protector and prosecutor. Over to Hong Kong now, where sex workers have been forced to pay for good reviews, according to an article on the globalvoicesonline.org website. A number of newspapers have exposed an escort advertising website as having taken advantage of customer review service to scam money from sex workers. These escorts were smeared with by anonymous internet users until they paid to get good reviews from the website recommended ghost The JJJ Association an organisation defending the rights of sex workers in Hong Kong has debriefed the situation to local journalists. The scams that exploit sex workers are related to a monopoly of the adult websites in Hong Kong. There are three major adult entertainment sites in the region where sex141.com, the website in question, is being the most active with its index of one-woman brothels, the term used for sex workers working out of small, often one-room apartments in the city. The website, created in 2002 by a local university graduate, uh, allowed workers to publish ads as well as offer a forum for for their clients. Originally, it was based in Hong Kong, but the owner was convicted of conspiracy to live off the earnings of the prostitution of others in 2006. The web server then had to move to the US. In recent years, it has expanded to other Asian regions such as China, Taiwan and Macau. Over to Russia now, where the Justice Ministry refuses to register a sex work organisation, reports Russia Beyond the org. Human rights activists in St. Petersburg have decided to take the Ministry of Justice to court after its officials refused to register their non-profit partnership of sex workers. Activists feel certain that the problems faced by these people could be solved if their activities were taken out of the criminal sphere. According to various estimates, between 700,000 and 3 million people are engaged with sex work in Russia. Sex work remains illegal in the country and according to some rough estimates of the Ministry of Health, up to one million people are involved in the sector. According to the organisation Shreva Bayana Rosa, or Silver Rose, an informal movement dealing with the issues of sex workers, the number of people engaged in the sex industry is actually around three million. To be able to defend the rights of sex workers, activists have tried to register a non-profit organisation in May, however the Ministry of Justice refused to register it and now human rights activists are turning to the courts. Over to the UK now, where Edinburgh News uh, reports that sauna closures could mean more danger for sex workers. Sauna workers today spoke of their fears that the closure of venues associated with the city's licensed sex industry could leave them vulnerable to being raped or murdered. Women working in saunas targeted by recent police raids said they would be compelled to work out alone on the capital streets and from, or from private flats if the businesses were closed down. The sex workers are terrified by the, that they may fall victim to people looking to exploit them or people who have committed crimes against sex workers such as the Ipswich serial killer Steve Wright. Each of the six women who spoke to the evening news are based in saunas where licences were suspended by councillors following police swoops. Some said that they had been strip searched during the operation while accusing officers of being very aggressive.
1: Thanks to The Vixen Hour, that was tonight's edition of Sex Work News. To keep on to date with the show, connect to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash sexworkerradio.
3: For the rest of the show, we will be focusing on male sex work. Coming, af- coming up after these messages, we will be hearing from Cam, a Sydney-based sex worker, and his 30 years of experience. You are listening to The Vixen Hour here on Joy 94.9. A voice for sex workers. The Vixen Hour. On Joy 94.9. So you're on the Vixen Hour here on Joy 94.9 You're with Christian tonight and we are focusing on male sex work and on the line I have Cam. Hi Cam.
4: Yeah, hi Christian How
3: are you? Not too bad. Now Cam, you've been a sex worker for quite a while and involved in, a, in the sex working community for a while but rather than me speaking at length about you, how about I get you to introduce yourself? I'm
4: Cam Cox. I've been sex working for over 30 years which is quite a long time mm-hmm. I started as a street based sex worker in New South Wales on the notorious Darlinghurst wall. Mm -hmm. That was probably one of the best jobs I've ever had in my life. Freedom, money, sex, everything Mm -hmm. a young guy could really want. (laughs) Um, After that, as technology changed, um, people moved off street-based work, basically into private work, and I followed that trend. Mm
2: -hmm.
4: And I've been sex working ever since with a few breaks where I moved into the non-sex working world and did a couple of other jobs. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. But I've always come back to sex work. It's really part of my identity, mm-hmm. and I'm now also involved in peer outreach projects and peer education for sex workers.
3: Fantastic! Now you talked about a technology change. Specifically, what has that meant for well, someone in your situation who like who did move from one form of sex work to another? What was the sort of technology that enabled you to do that?
4: First one was pages. Would you believe that we <laughs> thought we were Christmas when we were running around with things the size of bricks? to to our belt, <laughs> And people could actually call a phone number, which meant that we could put an ad in the paper. Yeah. And then we ran to a call box and you got a message of who's a call and you weren't actually tied to standing on one particular street corner for ages. And mm-hmm. um, then we got mobile phones and um, we were even freer, if you know what I mean, to, yeah. uh, set work hours and whatever. And then the internet became a very big thing and now it's a major place where most mass sex workers advertise and where clients go to find male sex workers. Yeah. Right. And that means you can basically do it by a remote control or through your smartphone.
3: Whenever there is new technology, the um, the connection to sex and sexuality and the expressions thereof are highly, I guess, conflated, if you like. A lot of people think of porn when they think of the internet. Yeah. Um, <laughs> do, do you think sex workers are sort of, you know, one of those communities that have become, I guess, early adopters of technology?
4: I think so. Sex workers are always in the forefront of um, lots of important changes, and especially technology. Mm-hmm. We've been really up there and adopting stuff early and adapting it so it works well for us.
3: Yeah, and in your opinion, what do you see as the main benefits of those? I mean, a lot of people would identify things like, I mean, you talked about you know not having to be on a street corner for a very for you know long periods of time. Has that meant, I don't know, has the work become safer? How, how do you see the benefits of um, new and developing technologies on sex work?
4: to start with there's really nothing wrong with being on the street corner and I Mm -hmm. love being on the street corner but now I can let the internet pick up my messages I can go to gym I can go to the beach I can go shopping Mm -hmm. I can set my own hours very much more than I did before so it's really benefited us in a lot of ways Um, because of that a lot of people now you know they run um, two jobs a non-sex working job and a sex working job because you can really balance those two well whereas before you were standing, you know, on the street at night and maybe you know, trying to get off to your day job in the, in the day.
3: Yeah. So it's been a really effective time management tool? I, I, <laughs> I
4: would say so, yes.
3: Fantastic. <laughs> so over 30 years, that's an amazing <laughs> amount of experience. So please, please don't do the math. <laughs> well, um, I was going to ask, well, what, what sort of changes, I mean, technology is one that you've identified, but what sort of changes have you seen in sex work and the sex working community in Australia over that period of time?
4: Sex work itself, I suppose, has stayed relatively the same, though there have been changes in attitudes and changes Mm -hmm. around sexuality and the acceptance of sexuality, especially the acceptance of gay, lesbian, trans and intersex identities, Mm -hmm. which, of course, didn't happen 30 years ago. Not only was I criminalised as a sex worker, but I was criminalised as a gay man for the abominable um, offence of buggery, I yeah. thought it was called. Um, so there have been changes there and also um, we seem to have a new generation coming through who don't really worry about gender identity or sexuality as much as people used to, which I think is a very good thing. Yeah. On the other hand for the sex working community, the internet's been a wonderful thing. You can now connect with sex workers all around the world and there's a, now a worldwide movement of sex work activists who are connected by the internet mm-hmm. and it's something that I don't think we'd be able to achieve such a cohesion if we didn't have the internet. The recent protests we had um, on the deaths of Jasmine and Dora, Mm -hmm. where 35 or 39 cities, I forget how many, were able to organise protests simultaneously on the same day. Mm -hmm. was just absolutely amazing.
3: That's fantastic. Uh, You're on the Vixen Hour here on Join Only 4.9. You're with Christian and I am speaking with Cam. Now, Cam, you're a male sex worker. Yep. (laughs) And um, (laughs) Do you just work with male clients or do you see female clients? How do you you approach work?
4: I approach work as basically a first cab off the rank basis. So Mm -hmm. whoever books, I try and accommodate them. Now, most of my clients are cis male, but Mm -hmm. I have clients who are also trans, male to female, and um, female to male, trans clients, Mm -hmm. and I have some cis women clients, so not a great number.
3: Yeah. And you know, having, I guess, a diversity of genders and sexes amongst your client base, there's this socialized idea that that says something about your sexuality. So if it's not too personal a question, how would you identify sexually?
4: No, it's a fine question. I'm same-sex attracted and I sort of, you know, why my emotional attraction is different from my physical attraction. So Mm -hmm. I'm in a relationship with another guy and have been for a considerable amount of time. And when I've had a bad day at work or whatever, it's a guy who I want to come home with. I don't have that physical, um, emotional relationship um, with somebody who's not a guy, or it mm-hmm. doesn't establish very well. Um, though I have been married in the, in the past uh-huh. um, to a cis woman, and that worked out pretty well for quite a while, long while. But when it comes to my sort of physical sexuality, it's a lot broader than my emotional sexuality, if you know what I mean.
3: No, oh, absolutely.
4: And that sort of explains it.
3: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, that's clear. Yeah, absolutely. Now you've been active in the community for quite a while. You've, so you see. I mean you've engaged with other sex workers you see clients of diverse genders and sexualities. I'm wondering in your opinion what do you see the differences between I guess cis male sex work and female sex work if you like? We are focusing on male sex work tonight on the Vixen Hour.
4: There are some differences. There are a lot of things that are almost completely congruent Mm -hmm. and there are a lot of places where everything intersects. Male sex work There's sometimes a lot more isolation and um, sometimes there are different levels of stigma Mm -hmm. but it depends of course on circumstances so most male sex workers work privately and we're sometimes forced to do that by legislation Mm -hmm. and regulation and there aren't as many brothels and parlours where male sex workers can work together so that's one thing we have prejudice just against sex workers which Mm -hmm. goes across the whole spectrum of sex work there's prejudice because you're perceived to be a gay male so you can suffer from homophobia. We have some prejudice against sex workers in the gay community as well. You're often perceived as being passive. You're often perceived as being more likely not to practice safe sex or protected sex, perceived mm-hmm. as being uneducated, drug addicted, maybe molested as a child. Some, a lot of these can um, go across all sex workers. Mm-hmm. And then, unfortunately, we have a fair level of sexual racism within the community, especially a prejudice against sex workers of Asian background. Yeah, which raises a whole new level of stigma. So, sex, sex workers have a lot of stigma, and what we call homophobia mm-hmm. against them. From our sex workers, I could identify up to five levels of
3: yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. You talked about um, a certain amount of like stigma and marginalisation within mm-hmm. the GLBTIQ community itself, and that's a very, I guess, specific type of, as we say in our community, homophobia. I'm just wondering if you could talk about that for a little bit.
4: Yeah, sure. It takes many, many different aspects and some of it's very subtle and difficult to identify. Mm -hmm. The first one that I I would identify is that even though a lot of people in our community are more than happy or willing to pay you money and have sex with you, very few are prepared to enter into any sort of long-term relationship with you. Mm -hmm. Okay, and so actually finding a stable partner within the community is incredible incredibly difficult and one that actually accepts you and your um, occupation for what they are. Mm. Yeah, more subtle things. I was talking to a mate yesterday who was saying that whenever he starts talking and he's um, a well-known porn star, whenever mm-hmm. he starts talking about anything intellectual at, say, a dinner party or any other place, people look at him as if he's some sort of performing monkey Yeah. because they don't expect him to be able to discuss those sort of things. And when he does, they're quite shock. They don't realise he actually has a master's degree, And but that's subtle prejudice coming. Somebody else told me that when they actually advertised with their faith and the uh, next day they went into a gay bar, people, um, some people threw five cent coins at their feet. Yeah. Which I think is absolutely horrendous.
3: Yeah. Well, well, that's the thing. It's, it's, um, it's always, I guess, a bit disappointing to hear those stories because thinking of the GLBTIQ community as one that has experienced what prejudice and stigma mm. um, can be like, you would think that they would know better, but clearly there are some instances where that hasn't happened.
4: Unfortunately, there are,
3: yeah.
4: Mm. That, that does happen, and it's not very nice for a sex worker when that sort of thing is really shoved in their face.
3: Yeah, which is why, I guess, um, sex workers have gotten together and put together um, a whole radio show on Australia's only GLBTIQ radio station, Joy 94.9. This is The Vixen Hour. You're with Chris. And we are talking with Cam. You are on the Vixen Hour here on Joy 94.9. We are speaking with Cam Cox. Uh, Cam, I wanted to ask... So one of the traditions that we have here on the Vixen Hour, whenever we do have a sex worker come on our show, is um, we ask them, well, how do they um, define sex work for themselves, recognising that, you know, all sex workers are quite diverse and everybody has their own meanings around sex work. So we do like to ask each new sex worker who comes onto the show, well, what does sex work mean for you? That's
4: a really difficult question for me because my identification with sex work is so broad and Mm -hmm. I sometimes have difficulty putting it into words. Mm -hmm. You know on one level sex workers work for me. It's a job that I do and I very much enjoy Mm -hmm. but over the years it's become much more of an identity for me too. I very much identify as a sex worker Mm -hmm. and it's become a very strong political thing for me. Um, For example, yeah, most most of my friends um, now know me by my sex worker name and my sex worker name is the name that I use everywhere Mm-hmm. So I've sort of morphed from being somebody who did it just as a job mm-hmm. and to somebody who is very much immersed in it.
3: Yeah, that's wonderful. That's fantastic. I, I was going to ask, for, for you personally, what has um, sex work enabled you to achieve in your own life?
4: Well, a huge amount of personal growth and development. And mm-hmm. for that, I have to be, to start with, hugely grateful to a lot of my clients who've shared the lot, parts of their lives with me taught me really amazing things The the amount of positive interaction that you get as a sex worker with clients can be quite amazing Mm -hmm. and then there's the interaction also with other sex workers who are often nearly always really amazing people and I have learned really amazing things especially since I attached myself to the sex worker community or Mm -hmm. really became part of that activist community, it's been quite incredible
3: Amazing, 30 years. years. <laughs> I keep going yeah. back to that oh, well, It sounds really... Thanks <laughs> I'm not, I mean, look I, I, I'm I shock... find it a bit amazing to, like, Yeah.
4: when I started as a sex worker everybody desperately was pretending that they were 21, even though they might have been up to 25 which is when you retire mm-hmm. Okay, but that doesn't happen anymore and we have people working into their 60s and 70s
3: Yeah. Well, I was going to ask you know, over that course of time I guess your understanding of sex work would have changed and developed as well. So, you know, before you started, if you can, <laughs> cast your mind back that far and remember, what what has your I guess changing understanding of what sex work is? How has that sort of developed over time? I mean, before you started, did you have? An, do you remember even having an idea of what sex work would be like?
4: I, I had a couple of ideas
3: mm-hmm.
4: when I was quite young. I sort of wanted to be a sex worker. I didn't quite know what it was but Mm -hmm. every time I saw a movie with a sex worker in it I sort of related to that person and when I saw actual sex workers for the first time on the wall at Darlinghurst and people somebody told me you know who they were and what they were doing I was just sort of blown away I saw the the sort of amazing freedom they had and it really um, fascinated me Mm -hmm. but to get back to the question just from being you know a young kid and naive when you start off and the way that you grow up in this sort of industry and the amount that you learn has just been amazing so I've gone from being a very naive country boy, mm-hmm. I wasn't naive enough to know that I couldn't play on that I was always, you know, a boy just fresh <laughs> down from the country for about three years, i just arrived on the train the night before basically mm-hmm. but that's what I was, I didn't understand a, a lot of things mm-hmm. um, I had a really wonderful opportunity to to learn really quite amazing stuff through my sex work Yeah, um, to travel which is something that quite extensively that I probably wouldn't have done except for the sex work um, to meet lots and lots of amazing people
3: yeah that's fantastic Cam I do want to say thank you for joining us here on the Vixen Hour on Join Only 4.9
4: not a problem mm-hmm. a pleasure
3: and we've got to go to some messages now and we'll be back after this
1: you're listening to the Fix an Hour on Joy ninety four point nine. You are listening to the Vixen Hour here on Joy ninety four point nine. This is an unfamiliar voice for you. My name is Hannah, and uh, I'm here tonight because we're going to turn the table. We're going to put Christian (laughs) on the other side of the mic for a change, because this show is all about male sex work. (laughs) So, Christian, you thought it would be a good idea to uh, have a look at your story. Absolutely. I think, like you know, I
3: have the absolute pleasure and privilege of of interviewing other sex workers and getting their amazing stories on the air and. And, you know a lot of what we do is try to you know bring the voices of sex workers out so rather than you know talking about you know a subject very close to my own experience uh very theoretically and always talking through with other sex workers which is amazing i thought you know it might be a good idea to actually get my perspective on this topic.
1: and and a very exciting time 32 mm. shows you you said before we've heard your amazing story so i'm very excited to be able to bring that to our listeners here <laughs> now i'm going to go with your traditions here to start off uh, by by asking you how you would just introduce yourself.
3: So I've been a sex worker now for about, oh this is when I was talking to Cam earlier about you know how he's been working for like over 30 years and that how, you know, that made him feel old. <laughs> I, I kind of felt old when I say, you know, I've been working for about 15 years. <laughs> um, so being have been a sex worker for 15 years which is this year sort of marks the halfway point between, I guess I've actually lived more of my life as a sex worker than not as as a sex worker. So um, I started off doing street-based sex work uh, when I was quite young because like, it was the only sort of legal option that was available to me. Um, I then moved into uh, working for an escort agency and um, getting some experience that way. So I, I crossed over from working in a sort of uh, highly criminalised way to working to a sort of socially sanctioned way, if you like. And that, that, that sort of background gave me, I guess, the experience and the values and meeting people to actually keep going. So it it, like my experience both on the street and in escort agencies was a generally positive one. I I got to learn a lot of things. I got to connect with a lot of other sex workers. Very much learnt the value of peer education. And then I started branching out on my own. So I started to do private escorting and for a short period I focused solely on working with clients who were living with a disability and some who were HIV positive just because I thought that was a a really important part of the I guess community that hadn't been really um, engaged with so I had sort of this really mm. natural urge to um, go with that but and then I took a break for about six months to experiment and be in a relationship that, and that was a bit weird <laughs> <laughs> and then I came back and I and I've been continuing to do private escorting ever since so sometimes I travel down to Tasmania to work uh, and sometimes I work locally and at times I'll fly to other parts of the country or do sex work while I'm traveling internationally as well. So that's me in a little nutshell.
1: Wow. So, so much uh, experience to, to cram into that. But you've obviously had experiences with sex work across the full range of, mm-hmm. the full spectrum of of what sex work can mean, which, uh, which, is, which is why I'm going to ask you, in that time, has your, I guess, definition of sex work for you changed, mm-hmm. uh, given that you've experienced such a range of areas of it?
3: Yeah. So when I first started, sex work was very, much. It was kind of I kind of had to clumsily stumble around with it, and then you very quickly learn to you know oh you need to separate you know there's there's sex at work and sex at home and if you confuse the two then you're heading towards you know a very tangled web if you like yeah but then but you but as I've sort of worked more and more and Cam sort of talked about it before that break around how sex works sort of starts to become part of your identity and I think that's the same for a lot of people when they find a job. That they're really passionate about is that they start to become they start to personally identify with it. And for me, I'm one of those lucky people who found one of those jobs that I could sort of passionately engage with. Something that you know has allowed me to grow personally as well as sort of connect with other people um, in a really really positive way. It's, It's it's the way that I found community as well. So for me, sex work has very much become a part of my identity.
1: And I guess clocking over that uh, point where it's become more of your life as, as a sex worker would kind of reinforce that identity. Oh, absolutely. Now, we are talking about male sex work mm-hmm. today on the show, which is, which is why we're having a chat to you. <laughs> but could you, uh, I guess, clarify what to you uh, the difference between a male and female sex work is?
3: Yeah. So the way the service is provided, like, you know, screening calls, engaging with clients, delivering those services can be fairly similar. But the context I guess is very different so what I mean by that like in Victoria for example females, cis female sex workers have a whole sector of parlours or workplaces that they can mm. choose from so there's like something like 90 licensed brothels or parlours in Victoria um, so there's there, there's this real option and we've spoken about it previously on our show you, you can sort of find a workplace that works for you and that's uh, sex workers being in, uh, independent subcontractors that's how the industry sort of works is that you find a workplace that works for you male sex workers don't have that sort of luxury we only have sort of one workplace that that is available for us to work from only one brothel will take male sex workers and it means that you know so there is there isn't much choice yep. and if that work environment doesn't work for you you can't up and move to somewhere else yeah in the state you, ha- you you basically either go private or you work for an escort agency now a lot of people don't want those, um, want to have the option of being able to work from a premises Um, like a lot of female sex workers do. Those options aren't available for male sex workers. So certainly male sex workers can experience a higher degree of isolation because most of us have to, particularly in Victoria, have to work in a very private way. Um, I think it's also worth saying that working at an escort agency is also working in a very isolated way because you're not connected to other workers. Yeah. So it does sort of, it it puts a little bit bit of pressure on independent private workers to have to actually go out and find those community links to find you know and thank god for social media because it's meant that you know as a as a sex worker i've been able to connect with other sex workers through that platform
1: absolutely now do you think that that's something that might change uh, over over time as uh, i guess male sex work becomes more dominant or do you think that this is kind of a market thing that isn't mm-hmm. likely to change. Unfortunately,
3: it has become a byproduct of licensing and regulation here in Victoria. So because there are sort of very stringent planning regulations th- that are sort of imposed on brothels and because, well, male workplaces are sort of pitching towards a niche part of the market, it means that, you know, they're not as lucrative as as cis female brothels, which is why there aren't as many of them. Yep. Um, it also means that the ability to open one, and sustain one is also quite limited. So people may not be aware that, you know, applying for a brothel licence is actually quite a cumbersome process and there are sort of very limited, um, I guess, planning regulations mean there are very limited options in terms of where that business can open. Um, So it makes opening one of those businesses and one of those workplaces really difficult. So, yeah, unfortunately, while we are working under the Victorian licensing regime, it doesn't look like that situation is going to change anytime time soon.
1: Well, let's have a look at uh, perception because that's something that you deal with a lot on the show. Uh, And how do you think the perceptions, uh, and that's either in in the arts or in the media, of male sex workers differ to those of female sex workers? Yeah, it's
3: interesting. Um, Female sex workers are quite often degraded in media or in in the arts, so they're quite often seen as the victim, as being very passive, as being, I guess, leading very troubled lives or, you know, Mm. in in a lot of those stereotypes. Male sex workers, I guess, there's, there, there is um, a bit of, of presumption that you know we're sort of like rebels, like or we're like wayward youth, or you know we're the, um, we're, the we're the we're the lost boys or something. Yeah, we're, yeah. we're not sort of denigrated to the same level, I guess, as female sex workers. Um, are. Well, it, sort of like based on what I've observed in the arts and media, but there's still like a high level of stereotypes and um, stigmatization of male sex workers so quite often male sex workers um you know are unreliable we're like thieves or you know mm-hmm. there's it's interesting so while sex while female sex workers are sort of i guess put down by things like stereotypes there's also sort of positive stereotypes like you know hooker with a heart of gold is is yes. one of those yep. um, female tropes Well-known you, trope. d- you don't really see that you don't really see a male version <laughs> of that trope
1: yeah, yeah. And, and if they are represented Often not in a very complex way yeah
3: that's right, so yeah it's 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 interesting um i think it's because uh look if if I was to base it on anything i think if, if there's a female sex worker there's this presumed and quite often it is based on a misconception a presumed power dynamic that that person that a female sex worker is I guess a victim of mm. their male client whereas male sex workers are seen I guess a little bit more equally to their clients
1: yeah absolutely mm-hmm. uh, now I guess we're also looking at perceptions of male s- sex work as part of a GLBTIQ identity obviously mm-hmm. uh, whether or not you deal with male male clim- clients or female clients how do you reflect Reflect on uh, sex work as as a GLBTIQ identity. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I think back in the
3: '80s, when um, sorry, when sex work and GLBTI community and even injecting drug users were sort of they were sort of all outcasts in the same sort of camp. Yep. And when HIV hit, there was this really strong sense of community that had to come together if they were going to fight the virus. And so there was a lot of community solidarity that ca- that happened in times gone past. And you'll sort of uh, responses to HIV. There was a lot more sort of focus on things like n- being non-judgmental, and, and that sort of was towards the purpose of, you know, harm reduction and, you know, being socially inclusive. As time has gone on and with um, you know, the, the impact of HIV isn't as devastating, um, the sense of community has sort of wound back as well. So sex workers and the GLBTI community aren't as, I guess, allied as they once were, and that sort of, I guess, led to, you know, in some pockets of the community starting to not really understand or, or identify or empathise with sex workers. And certainly within, um, I guess, the lesbian community, yep. um, when, you know, movements like radical feminism came out, there, there was this real sort of push away um, from from sex workers or sex positivity. Um, so there has been sort of instances where there has been a bit of a distancing within the community between the GLBT. TIQ community and sex workers but you know it's one of the reasons why I wanted to put this radio show together. Absolutely,
1: which is what I was going to say. You are, you're bridging this gap here mm-hmm. on Joe 94.9 on The Vixen Hour. You've got such an amazing story, so I'm so glad I got to ask you about it, Christian. Today. and
3: I wanted to thank you. The reason why I asked Hannah to come in today is, is because Hannah was one of those people who, I guess, really embraced the concept of The Vixen Hour when it came on board. And, you know, I know you're an avid listener. <laughs> yes, you know, texting a- every week. <laughs> so it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on board. And so thank you for being part of this show tonight.
1: Thank you. It's an excellent show. Keep going, Christian.
3: (laughs) You're on The Vixen Hour here on Joy 94.9.
0: I'm Dr. Brooke Mignanti, formerly known as Belle de Jour, and you're listening to The Vixen Hour on Joy 94.9. Joy
3: 94.9. So, you're in the Vixen Hour here on Joy 94.9 and we are speaking with Toby. G'day, Toby.
0: Hi, Christian. How are you?
3: Yeah, not too bad. Now, Toby, you identify as a sex worker. That's right. Definitely. Um, Well, how would you introduce yourself?
0: Okay, well, I'm Toby. Um, I work full-time in corporate Australia doing a business-type job, office-based, and I also do sex work part-time.
3: Fantastic. And do you find it hard to sort of find the time to do both? Like, how does that work for you?
0: Um, I find it. Yeah, it's, it's a huge juggle. As I say, I work full-time in another job besides sex work. I'm also partnered and have a family. So mm-hmm. I've got children. And then in amongst, not obviously in amongst that, but I find time to leave home and go away and do sex work. So it's a, it's a, it's a juggle yeah. um, to, get, to get all that right and make it work.
3: Yeah. yeah. And you said you're partnered, so I'm presuming a female partner? Or,
0: yes, um, no, yes, um, mm-hmm. female partner. Yes, so female life partner and we have children together. That's
3: fantastic. And does your family know of your two jobs?
0: No, they don't. No, I'm not um, fully out as a sex worker um, in my social life. So that's why I generally don't work at home I always travel to do sex work Mm -hmm. yeah I'll just add into that that my partner also does sex work
3: fantastic yeah so your partner does sex work as well yes yeah so do you work together or do you work separately how does it work
0: yeah it's a combination so we're happy to work you know individually so we have our clients that we see on our own so I see my clients and she will see her clients, and then we have another rough night that we see together.
3: Mm-hmm. That's absolutely fascinating. Like, I think that's a sort of situation that people may not be aware of. So, just for you personally, and if this is too personal a question, by all means, please tell me where to go. How do you identify sexuality-wise? So, do you identify as bi, or
0: yeah, it's a very difficult one. I've toyed with how I identify sexually because I, I guess bisexual is how I would have to say that. Because because I sort of do enjoy both. Mm-hmm. Um, predominantly, though, I straight in my my other life. It's not sex work. I'm predominantly straight. Certainly in my friend network, I would identify as straight. Mm-hmm. Um, very close friends would probably know that I'm bisexual. And then, obviously, in sex work, I'm completely bisexual. Mm-hmm. So okay. I'm on a, on a bit of a spectrum that sort of varies depending on which part of my life I'm in.
3: And look, I think that's um that's a very important, I guess, focus because I think a lot of people sort of when it comes to sort of sexuality. I think when people try, want to understand something they try to reduce it and make it as simple as possible whereas Absolutely. the reality of that situation is sexuality isn't a simple <laughs> um, thing I, for most people
0: I view it no different than a lot of other aspects of your personality it's very situational and like you know I, I can be a certain type of person if I'm out at a party mm-hmm. you know I might be in Sydney or something like that and out at a party in Oxford Street and I'm a very different person than I would be if I were having dinner with my family friends with children you know I'm, I'm a completely different person you wouldn't know, you wouldn't pick them as the same personality but that's just it's just situational where you are and what you're doing yeah so to a degree I think sexuality can be a bit like that for some people as well it certainly is for me that's
3: fantastic and has um, has sex work had uh, I guess an impact on your personal sexuality like did you identify as bi before doing sex work or was this something that sort of came about yeah, from work
0: I identified as yes yeah, sex my, my sexuality hasn't changed because of sex work mm-hmm. um I'm in my forties. Mm -hmm. Um, early 40s and I've only been doing sex work for about a year and so, oh, yeah, certainly identifying as bisexual before that. Has sex work changed my sexuality? No, I don't think it has. I think that probably, if anything, I'm finding it easier to deal with my sexuality because of sex work. Wow. Because I, I, I'm able to compartmentalise and put it in a place that I know that I'm in control of it and it doesn't challenge me at all yep. with my sexuality. Whereas, yeah, probably before doing sex work, it used to challenge me a little bit because I wasn't really sure of it. But now it's really easy for me. Yeah. It's very easy, actually.
3: That's fantastic. And I think, again, that's 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 quite often... Th- that. That whole sort of personal sexual development I think I, I don't know I think sex workers are quite lucky in that way that we do have to focus on it that we have to I guess realize what our own sexuality is before we're able to I guess effectively deliver services to other people I'm wondering what you think about that
0: well, it's- very true because like you know in my non-sex work life non-sex worker life socially I find that it's very sex negative like you know people mm-hmm. don't want to talk about sex they don't want to address sexuality and you'll I'll you know I'll often hear secondhand that someone said something about me because of the way I've presented myself you know if I decide to wear jewelry or makeup or whatever if I'm going out not that I wear a lot of makeup you know maybe just <laughs> my makeup or something like that and people have a have a comment that it will never be directly to you whereas I find that if, if I'm socializing with other sex sex workers it's much easier to talk about that sort of thing and then also with clients obviously it's very overt Yeah, um, your sexuality so yeah I, I think the sex negative society that we live in or particularly that I live in mm-hmm. um, over the you know in my youth and growing up and adulthood um, makes it difficult whereas in sex work it's not difficult I find it quite easy and I'll you as you say you have to because you're offering a service and you have to be able to identify exactly what you're going to be doing and who you are in that service yeah uh, a, a client doesn't
3: want to come along to a confused person, yeah. you know, for the want of a better term. <laughs> uh, absolutely, absolutely. You're on the Vixen Hour here on Joy 94.9. You're with Christian and I'm speaking with Toby. You mentioned socialising with other sex workers. Yeah. Are you very well connected to other sex workers or is this something that you sort of, because you talked socially about that you're not very out, is it is it a matter of having two different social circles in terms of...
0: Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so like, you know, in my in my family, where, you know, if i was talking about children and, you know, extended family, certainly not at all. So that that's one level of socialising. And also, you know, friends that I might socialise with when I'm home and flipping that across to sex workers that I know... Socialising definitely have to work on that. And that's a very deliberate thing to socialise with other sex workers. So events like the Festival of Sex Work that we went to a couple of months ago, you know, is amazing because you actually get to talk to other people about sex work. And it's just sometimes I worry about when I meet other sex workers. I think probably oh, well, this guy just shut up and stop talking because it's, it's like it's an amazing opportunity to start to actually talk and think. Oh no, someone's going to actually you know, living the same life that I'm living. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah. No, So yeah, yeah. Um, It is. It's a very and, and also things like um, Facebook. You know, there's some very great
3: networks and forums that um, I get on and chat and that sort of stuff. It's fantastic. That's brilliant. One of the sort of traditions that we have here at the Vixen Hour, whenever we do have a new sex worker on, is we ask them, well, how do they define sex work for themselves? Recognising that, you know, if you apply one definition to everybody, that's highly problematic because each sex worker sort of approaches sex work very differently. So we do ask each person who comes on, well, how would you define what sex work means to you personally? Um,
0: for me because it's no different than any the way I look at any other component of my life or any other thing that I do. Mm-hmm. Sex work in my life is a job. Mm-hmm. It's, no, it's no different than my other job, except that it involves sex. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's work like any other work for me. So I've got a relatively full time job, as I said, in, bus- in a business environment at a desk, and I have a part time job, and that part time job happens to be sex work. Fantastic. That, that's how it is for me. I guess the only odd thing about it is that I do keep it a secret from a lot of people. Yeah. In my life. And and, that, and that, that's not about me. That that's not about protecting me. It's actually about protecting some people around me. Yeah. Um, because I understand the you know all phobia and the stigma that is associated with sex work. And whilst I can tackle that if it's if it's directed at me, I don't want people around me that aren't sex workers to have hmm. to tackle it on my behalf because I you know that, that that's just how I currently am about it.
3: Yeah. Yeah. That's fantastic. Now, your understanding of sex work, was it very different before you started doing sex Well, I, sh- I should probably ask first, how did you end up starting to do sex work? And was it as a couple, because you said you and your partner both do sex work?
0: Yeah. It's strange, actually. Um, my partner had a colleague um, in her work that was a sex worker mm-hmm. as well, and, and was an out sex worker. And they just got talking, and then we, we just started talking about it. And I said, oh, you know, it'd be quite cool to do sex work, thinking that I would start to do sex work because um, I thought there would be a market there for me to be a male sex worker. Mm-hmm. And then that somehow evolved into my partner starting to do sex work first because we, we sort of did a little bit of research and sort of found that maybe that was actually more of a market. And then after the first time that she did it, like we went away together but um, only advertised for her to do sex work, I mm-hmm. thought, um, so, well, why don't we both advertise and see what happens? And then we evolved into why don't we both advertise and advertise ourselves as a couple and see what happens. <laughs> and it sort of just evolved from there and we, and we you know, we built up a sort of regular and we know, we know where to go now. We know our little niche spots where we go. And if we can make it quite, it's quite an effect, you know, an effective, I guess, or lucrative thing to do if we target it right. And that's what we work out how to do.
3: That's amazing.
0: And, and Christian, also, it is, it yeah, also, yeah. Is, still, it also st- is still evolving. Like, we're still trying to work out, you know, like, still are working out the best places to go, the best times to go there, working mm-hmm. out with other, other calendars in the area, like looking at the calendar for a particular district and saying, okay, this is happening there and that might not work for us to go there. So, like, it, it's something that's continually evolved, I think.
3: Yeah. And I'm guessing as somebody who is active in the business community, I think you'd have a really good opinion when I say something like, it sounds like you've got a really effective business partner there.
0: Yeah, well, we we are a very good. We're a good partnership um, from a business perspective. We we've worked out exactly how to work together, mm-hmm. exactly what works for us. As far as you know, it, it, again, it is no different than looking at any other job. Looking yep. at things like how how long can we work for before you need a break in a particular day? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what gap do we need between appointments? That that sort of thing. And and but that's no different than if I was looking at my sitting at a desk. How long can I sit at the desk and work at the computer before yeah. I need to stand up and take a break? It's, it's really you know no no different. And we've worked that out together. So and also. you know, there's Emotional stuff, you know, because we were sort of working in our what other people would have as downtime. Mm-hmm. We're actually on working as well, so it, it's quite busy and gets very tiring. Yeah, as well.
3: Has it made your relationship stronger? Is that something really presumptuous to um, ask?
0: Yeah, look, no, that, that that's fine. It's it's strange. Like you, you would, I guess, from the outside looking in, you would think, oh, that's got to be a difficult thing to do as mm-hmm. a couple to do sex work, and, and it is. But there are there are difficulties with that, but yes, the the outcome of working through those difficulties is that we do have a stronger relationship. And it's certainly you develop very strong, complex levels of trust around your relationship. Yeah, it, it, de- definitely a stronger relationship as a result of doing sex work together.
3: Definitely, that's fantastic. There's a lot of men who think that they can do sex work, yep. and and there is a lot of presumption that you know that they can they can just see, for example, they can just see female clients, um, <laughs> or that it's going to, um, you know, it's going to be like their regular sex life, but they just get paid for it. Um, what yep. do you see is do you, When you sort of hear that kind of, I guess, discussion, what do you think of it? How do you react?
0: I laugh for a start because, mm-hmm. you know, I say in the yes, obviously you've seen, you know, Juice Bigalow, American Gigalow. <laughs> um, it certainly isn't like that. I, I think the, this look, and this is just my opinion and my experience of mm-hmm. it, obviously, there is no, there pretty much is no market for male sex workers that only want to have sex with women. Mm-hmm. It, it, it just isn't, in my opinion. I advertise that I will be either
2: mm-hmm. um,
0: and certainly am able to, and I have never, ever had an appointment with a woman mm-hmm. and that's fine. I, don't, I, don't have no, I have no issues with that at all. Yeah. So yeah, look, it, it's not as simple as that. Like yep. it, There there are a lot of other things that you have to overcome that are completely different than your sex life. Mm-hmm. Your sex life is about physical attraction. It's you know, It might be about love. There are a lot of other things that are what I would call my sex life that do not come across into sex work. Mm-hmm. That it's about a service. It's about giving, like recognizing what someone wants from you, not about what you're going to take from the experience, yeah. um, and that—that's that, a very different thing to do than. I mean, I, I know obviously in a normal sex life you would also be, you know, recognising what the other person needs. But to a large degree, it's a one-way street when you're doing sex work, and that's thats fine. That's what it's meant to be. Because mm-hmm. It's a service, isn't
3: it? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely.
0: It's actually, like, we spoke a little bit before about sexuality and how I identify sexually. That doesn't even really, to a degree, affect my sex work. It's work, so therefore my sexuality isn't really impacted by that. Yeah. I would be what I do in sex work, and I'd be very happy to walk out and still identify 100% as straight. Yep. I I could do that, and I I couldn't see that as being a problem at all. I wouldn't see that I have to identify as bisexual to be Mm -hmm. a sex worker that works with men.
3: That's brilliant. You're on the Vixen Hour. We've been talking to Toby. I want to say thank you for joining us here tonight. You're very welcome. It's been a pleasure. (laughs) Fantastic. You're with Christian on Joy 94.9.
1: Hi, I'm Fiona Patton from the Australian Sex Party and you are listening to my favourite radio station, Australia's first and only lesbian and gay radio station, Joy 94.9.
3: You are listening to the Vixen Hour here on Joy 94.9. It is two minutes to ten o'clock. I want to say thank you to Cam and Toby for their amazing interviews. And I also want to thank you, Hannah, for joining me here in the studio. It's been a blast. Oh, you can stay connected to The Vixen Hour by liking us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash sex worker radio. We do have to go now. I do have to send a shout out to Stephen. Thank you for your amazing supportive message. You've been listening to The Vixen do Hour it. on Joy 94.9.